and saying that, um, you know, sharing comes with its difficulties as well, you know, in preparing and to teach and setting apart the time. Uh, but it's still a total blessing, uh, making sure your heart and walk with the Lord is cool. Um, I know I don't want to be up here um, and share different things that I know. or uh, But what just God has spoken to me, um, the things that he's showed me. Not all in all, it's been a, being up here is a blessing. And the accountability factor is great. You guys will probably stone me or take me outside if I say something weird. Um, but being able to share what the Lord has shown me and, and is doing inside of me uh, can be hard. But it's, uh, it's definitely awesome to be up here. But with that, uh, let's get started, and we'll read um, Psalm 72. These are definitely powerful psalms. Um, you know, anything I share today, um, there's probably much more in, in depth um, to go through. But let's read uh, Psalm 72. We'll read from, from beginning to end. It says, A Psalm of Solomon. Uh, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Sheba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth on the top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city, the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed it be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Pretty cool psalm. Huh? Um, the author of the psalm is David, obviously. Um, like it says in verse 20, a prayer of David to the Lord for his son Solomon. Through the book of Psalms, we've seen many different sides of David. Um, David as, as king, David as the, the runner, David questioning God. Many different perspectives we've gotten from David in, in studying the psalms. And here in Psalm 72, we see him as David, you know, the father I was blown away at some of the things he says or asked of the Lord for his son Solomon. As a father myself, um, uh, everybody, parents here, everybody have kids here? Pretty much, right? Um, everybody prays for their kids, right? Um, they're so, so um, 
um, dear to us. Uh, we should always be praying for our children in this very tough world that we live in. Um, what do you want for your kids? Anybody? To be safe, most of all, right? Um, there's different many many uh, different many things we uh, want for our children. Um, you know, like the, the basic things. They're not they're not bad things at all. Um, I know we we pray for their safety, you know, protection, um, for blessings over their life. Um, uh, if they're in school, you know, different schooling, you know, friends that they have good friends. That's pretty important, you know, all the way down the line. Um, we got we got all the things that that we kind of want for our kids. Um, but what does God want for our children? Um, there is definitely a, a somewhat of a big difference. You know, most of us are, are believers, all of us are believers here. And um, there's definitely a different perspective we have now, I think we should, um, between the things we want for our kids and the things God wants for our kids. As believers, there's a big difference also between what the world wants for our kids and um you know what we should want for our kids. You know, going to the going to college, having a good job, you know, having a loving wife or a husband, etc. You know, so many things. Is, is serving the Lord enough for for our kids? Does all that other stuff really matter? Um, I've been definitely challenged um, by that. You know, my kids are still small, so so a long way to go. But um, we are examples to our children in many different ways. And what is important to us will be definitely important to them. In our lives, in our homes, is serving the Lord enough? Sharing with, with our children the love of the Lord and how much he has done for us sinners is definitely a necessity. Sharing with our children at the, at the, definitely at the appropriate age the mistakes we've made as, as adults, um, the people we've hurt as adults or even just growing up will be very valuable to them in their walk with the Lord. Letting your kids know that you aren't perfect. Who's perfect here? No one's perfect, right? Definitely fail in every aspect I do. That you fail every day is definitely a good thing. And not just letting your kids make their own mistakes. Um, which is definitely, I think it's cruel. Um, and is a part of the mentality of this, of this, of a society that Let's kids have their own independence, um, to let them have their own life and to live their own life. But I think as loving parents, telling and letting them learn from our mistakes can help them out as well. Who wants their kids to be hurt? Um, who wants their kids heartbroken? Nobody, right? Um, who wants their kids to go through the things, to go through the things we went through as teenagers or even as adults? Giving them the word of God and praying for them are, you know, the most important things we can do as parents. Whose counsel is going to last forever? The Lord's, right? Whose word will be hidden in their hearts forever? The Lord's, right? Not ours. Um, hopefully the Lord has put that in our hearts as parents to point them in the way that they should go with a love and a responsibility that, that doesn't go away. That, that's always there. This is an error the Lord has put it in my heart as a parent to not lack in, to try to love and lead my kids um, to the Lord, not, not perfectly in any way, uh, but steadily to the cross, which is, which is definitely challenging, right? Definitely challenging. 
But I'm so blessed watching them grow up and, and, um, and praying that the Lord comes back before they get too old. I think that's every parent's prayer, right? Lord, come back before they get too old and get hurt. Uh, which is probably kind of sad, but we definitely have that urgency for his return. David, in writing this psalm for Solomon, lifts him up to the Lord with a heart that only a father can have for his, for his son. We'll be kind of uh, skipping around in, in, this, uh, in this psalm a little bit because... As you probably notice, um, these verses don't all, all apply to Solomon. Um, we'll be talking of, of number one, Solomon's temporary reign, and number two, the, for, the forever reign of Jesus Christ. There's two, two different things. They're very, very clear, um, but definitely something that, that we need to hold on to. Let's read verses one through four again. It says, give your king, Solomon, give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. What word is usually used in reference to Solomon? Wisdom, right? Um, Solomon asked for wisdom from the Lord to rule and to judge over his people. And it was, it was given to him, right? It was, it was granted to him. If you guys want to turn with me, we'll read. Um, it's in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses um, 7 through 12. Chapter 1, yeah. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. All right, let's read there, verses 7 through 12. It says, On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I might go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have asked long life, but I've asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. There are a lot of things we need as sons and daughters of God, and it's not a stretch to say that wisdom is probably the top of the list. Uh, wisdom to judge between what right and wrong. Wisdom to uh, to judge people, not you know eternal judgment or anything like that, but judging their, their motives and, and what they say and do, uh, if they're genuine or not. There's definitely some truth to that. Um, what's the beginning of wisdom according to God's word? The fear of the Lord. Robert's a good guy. Proverbs is filled with references to the fear of the Lord. Proverbs, you guys don't have to, you guys can write these down. Proverbs 8:13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And one last one, Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So much we need to learn in our relationships uh, with the Lord, but how much of it starts with the fear of Him? A lot of it does, whether we know it or not. Um, do we not do things or do things according to how it's going to affect our relationship with Him? Wisdom and righteous judgment is crucial in the world that we live in. Does any one story stand out to you that, that Solomon's... Um, Wisdom and righteous judgment stand out to you? Any, any specific story? Um, there are many examples, but the one that stands out to me involves two moms and a baby. Two moms and a baby. Sticky situation, definitely. Putting Solomon in a situation, having to give judgment as king. Not just good judgment, but righteous judgment. If you guys want to turn with me to First Kings, we'll read that, that story real quick. First Kings 3. Chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 through 28. My kids like watching this video. There's a video, video that we have at home that goes over this story. It's all suspenseful and everything, but it's pretty cool. Verses 16 through 23, let's read. In chapter 3 of 1 Kings, it says, Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before them. And one woman said, O my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion, with compassion for her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her to the, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is a mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. A very awesome story in the Bible. 
how without a doubt the wisdom and righteous judgment was shown from above and was given to, to the people uh, through, through Solomon. And they saw it, right? They saw, saw it without, without a shadow of a doubt. They feared the king. Why? Because they saw the wisdom of God in him. It's strange, but sometimes um, there's a need for people to see the Lord in their lives. How they need to see the Lord touch someone or to intervene somehow in order to get that place in their lives as Lord. The same applies uh, back then to Solomon the king. The people wouldn't have given him the respect and reverence that a king deserved unless they saw that he was worthy of it. They saw through Solomon, and we have seen through Jesus Christ, the fear we need to have of the Lord. To give him that place to govern and to direct our lives. Um, there are only two other verses in this psalm that speak of Solomon, Solomon's reign, temporary reign as king. It's verses 10, um, if you want to turn back to Psalm 72. Verse 10, you can just read verse 10 or read verse 15 as well. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. And verse 15, and he shall live and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Is it hard words to say for some reason? I'm not sure why. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Lost my place. This was fulfilled in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and, and verses 23 to 25, where, where the queen of Sheba offered, um, came and, and, and um, I guess, to ask different questions of Solomon and saw that he was full of wisdom and gave him all kinds of gifts. And, and it was fulfilled definitely in, in 1 Kings chapter 10. So much was given to Solomon through his wisdom and judgment of the people of God. Um, justice and honor was practiced through most of his reign as king, but his reign, most of his reign, but not all of his reign. He turned his heart to what is the fall of many men today. Any guesses? Women, right? Women. He gave his heart to foreign women and did as they did, building high places to their gods along with the sacrifice to them. The Lord raised up adversaries against Solomon and made his reign temporary there was an end to his to the reign of solomon an end to his wisdom an end to his righteous judgment and we're going to go over the, the second i guess second but most important um point of this psalm number two the forever reign of jesus christ let's read the verses that apply to to the um, forever reign verses five through nine let's read those first it says, they shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days, the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. Let's go down to verses 11 through 14. It says, yes, all kings shall fall down, fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from, from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. 
in verses 15, uh, the second half of 15 through the end of the, the song. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth, on the top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with glory, with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. There were two words that continually came up in this psalm that really set set the word in stone. Guarantee that there um, that these promises will come to pass, whether we believe them or not. It doesn't matter if we believe they, they will come to pass. The word will appears 16 times, and the word shall appears 15 times. How much these words help us to understand and really believe that the word of God is true and, and just. The Lord wants us wants and continues to show himself through his word. You know, imagine if those words will and shall were replaced by perhaps or or maybe or, or possibly. Our God isn't like that. All the evidence of his existence is there. All the evidence of his love for us is there. Uh, they, are, they are set in stone. The word of God is living and will come to pass eventually. In the verses we read of the reign of Jesus Christ, two things stand out to me. He will reign forever and everywhere, and he will deliver the needy and the oppressed. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Matthew Henry puts it well and says, All kings shall sooner or later fall down before him, either to do their duty to him or to receive their doom from him. They shall fall before him either as his willing subjects or, or as his conquered captives, as suppliants for his mercy or expectance of his judgment. Isn't it comforting to know that we don't need to worry about what's going to happen? It's clear. Jesus Christ will reign throughout all generations, and there will be an abundance of peace until the moon is no more. All nations shall serve him. His dominion shall be from sea to sea to the ends of the earth. All we need to do is, is serve him to the best of our ability, and to go pretty much along for the ride, not really not really knowing the dips and curves in that ride, along the ride, that can take our breath away, but taking comfort that we know that there's going to be an end. And that end is going to be um, wonderful. The, you know, Also, the poor and needy are mentioned a few different times in this psalm. The word needy has a definition of a, of a, of a poor person, someone in need in want or in need of material things. But it also speaks of, of needing help, deliverance of trouble, especially a del- being delivered by God. And the Lord loves us. He wants to deliver us from this world. And he will, will if we have given our lives to him. You know, that's a guarantee. We are precious in his sight. Our lives are, are the, of the utmost importance to him. Just because we're like little ants in comparison to him, does not lessen our value to him. He loves us like no other will or ever will. He will it will continue and endure forever, his love. His wondrous works will fill the earth overflowing. 
Are we ready to see that? Do our lives reflect that belief? I don't know how people still today turn their backs on the Lord and, and live a life um, of no value. We need to, to have our eyes focused on Him and ready for His return. There's definitely a lot there in that psalm. definitely encourage you to go back and, and read over it. There, there's much more. Um, but let's get into the, the next psalm, Psalm 73. Psalm 73. This is a pretty, I guess, dangerous, uh, that's what I, the word that come, came out to me, dangerous psalm. Um, there's definitely a warning in that, in this psalm, and definitely something we need to, uh, I guess, protect ourselves from. You guys you guys will see as we read. Um, psalm 73, a psalm of a staff. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are in, sorry, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And wash my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generations of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation, as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors, as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, there are, for indeed those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. For harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I, that I may declare all your works. This is a psalm written by Asaph, the chief musician of David. Some commentators say that if it wasn't Asaph, it was a, a, a descendant uh, of Asaph, a man that was dedicated to worshiping the Lord through song. As you read this psalm, you can see that it tells of a struggle in the life of Asaph that many of us have either gone through 
or have heard of someone gone through as believers in, in Jesus Christ. The question, or better yet, the deception that the enemy brings into our hearts. Um, to envy or be jealous of the prosperity of the wicked. In verse 1, the psalm starts off with, with a very strong and firm point. Truly, God is good. Isn't he good to us? He's definitely good to us, right? In so many ways, he has been good, good to us. To myself, he continues to show himself always, always, always good. As new believers, and even if we have been in the family of God for many years, we need to hold on to, to the basics. God loves us. John 3.16 Jesus Christ died for us on the cross because we are sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, he made the way for us, if we believe, to eternal life with God. Those are the basics, right, pretty much in our faith that we need to place in the palm of our hand and, and to close um, ever so tightly. You know, has every, every dad done this before, you know, where... You have something your kids want, and you place it in the palm of your hand, and they try to, to pry your fingers apart and try to get to what's inside. Um, I do that with my kids now, and um, I have something in my hand that they want, and they try so hard to hold my hand and to, to pry my fingers open and to get what's inside. Um, that's the way we should be with those basic beliefs, those, those foundational truths that we have as Christians. And if we start to let that hand open up and to let those beliefs out and just leave our hand open, other, other things can get inside of our palm. Other things can be placed in there. Those basic beliefs, those foundational truths can sometimes float away and, and, and be replaced by, by religion or by, um, by works or even ourselves or even this world. We need to be careful and make sure that those things don't, don't find their way into the palm of our hand. They will cause decay that will start in our hand, but eventually make their way into our hearts, into our minds, and eventually will lead us down the wrong path, a path that has signs, that has big billboards with our concerns, with our desires, not the concerns and desires of God. A dangerous place to be. This is where Asaph, the writer of the psalm, finds himself. Here are some, some references. I'm going to read them because they're very important that, that, that give us confidence that, that truly God is good and, and he will um, still be good to us. Isaiah 40, verse 11, says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. Isaiah 53.6 all, all, we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 10.28 And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And the last one, Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed are my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Okay, verses 2 through 14 in Psalm 73 speak of the, the lie so many people believe and dwell on, you know, to my shame and to, to their shame as well. It was something that I thought about a lot when I was, was a new believer. Why do they have so much without serving the Lord? 
And why is my life so hard when I'm serving the Lord? What was the main reason this happened to me and, and many others today? Um, it's all about them and they or me or myself. It's all, it all has to do with those horizontal dealings in our life, the people around us and myself. When in reality, and, and reverence needs to have, we need to have that vertical, those vertical relationships right first. The things, the spiritual things, the first things in our lives. We need to be eternally minded. And if not, we, we will be um, focused on the so-called prosperity of the wicked. The things that, that they have, we will want. Which isn't prosperity at all, is it? It's not prosperity. The definition of prosperity, prosperity is completeness safety, peace, and in good health. All these things that Asaph is writing about are a deception of the enemy. Uh, the enemy wants us to believe that they have everything that the world has given them. Sorry. The enemy wants us to believe that they have everything, that the world has given them peace and happiness and wealth, etc., 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 because he wants us to get us get our eyes off the Lord and on other things, simply. And Job was a, was a prime example, right, of an upright, rant, upright man who served the Lord with all of his heart. And what happened to him? Everything was taken away from him, right? Everything. Family, possessions, everything, like I said. His friends even reasoned among themselves, you know, saying that Job was wicked, from the simple question, why would God let this happen to one of his own? When you start asking yourself questions that start with the phrase, why would God? You need to be careful. Do we really know, need to know why God does things? Do we need to know the ins and outs of God's decisions? I can't even get a grip on the decisions people make that are close to me, the people in my family. Um, my extended family and friends, and I'm confused most of the time trying to figure out the things they're doing. You know, why should I try to figure out why an infinite God, what he's doing and the decisions he's making? Um, why would I? In reading these verses of the wicked, isn't it such a turnoff reading some of the words that speak of the wicked? Pride serves, serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a, like a garment. They scoff and speak wickedly. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the, against the heavens. How much damage the wicked do to the glory of themselves and of the enemy? We need to get our eyes off the people who forsake the Lord and, and live on this earth. All these things the wicked prosper with, the abundance of earthly wants and desires, are of no value to us. The statement in verse 4, that they feel no pain, in death is a lie. The statement, and also in verse 4, that their strength is firm is a lie. And again, that they are always at ease is a lie as well. We've all heard and seen the countless stories of these movie stars and celebrities that are in, are in uh, they're searching, living their life and looking for something or someone to complete them. And they never find it. The money, the friends, the fame they have is not completing them. You know, they feel undone. You've all heard the stories about them, and I hope and know that those material things will not help 
you draw nearer to the Lord. They will distract you and pull you away from the Lord. It's not bad to have nice things. Everybody likes nice things, right? right. (laughs) Or to buy nice things. But to have them to glorify ourselves is a totally different bag of distractions. Verses 13 through 14 are somewhat, somewhat harsh. Let's read verses 13 and 14 in 73. It says, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Does your God live? Do you believe he will return for you? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that the God you serve is Lord over this world? The service you do for him is not in vain. The service, your service to the Lord is not empty. It is filled with you know, love, with joy, with peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The services of this world are empty. The acts of, of hurt, the scars they, they inflict, the wounds people to the grave. If you are being chastened right now, discipline perhaps. Take heart, feel good, because the Lord chastens the ones that he loves. Hebrews 12, verse 6. Asaph wasn't going out and telling people of the thoughts he was struggling with. It was all on the inside. He didn't want to stumble his generation or the generation that was coming. Uh, It was hard for him to understand. It was above his thoughts or perception to try to figure out the the prosperity of the wicked. There are many things we don't need to know in life as believers. But if we must know or desire to know why things are going wrong, who knows? The Lord knows, right? Um, The Lord knows all. Until he went to the sanctuary of God, then and only then did he understand. God will show us the things you should know, not all you want to know. The place, um, sanctuary speaks of a holy place, a sacred place a set-apart place to talk to the Lord. It isn't just here in this building that we call the church. It is anywhere you call on God, anywhere. But call out to him when you feel discouraged by people, when you feel you're not doing the right things, when you feel like, like a saf did, that you're living a life for the Lord in vain. The Lord will show you that the wicked, they have an end. Isaiah 11.4 you should write that down. Isaiah eleven four. It says, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. I can't put it any clearer than that. The wicked have an end. We have an everlasting life that guarantees us by the blood of Jesus Christ. The psalm um, ends with Asaph feeling somewhat embarrassed and ashamed, and ashamed, sometimes like, like we do. I'm sure we've all been in that place with the Lord when we feel so, so dumb and so childish to question His works. We feel like that little league player at the home plate hitting the ball, and instead of running to first, we run to third base. Uh, but there's the Lord at, at third base, you know, the third base coach pointing us in the right direction. Uh, going back to first base. Uh, through all the challenges in life, the questions in life, um, aren't, we, aren't we better in the end? The word vexed in verse 22, verse 21 
means sharpened or to sharpen. I mean, we all come out of our struggles, the, the questions we have before the Lord, um, not feeling foolish or ignorant, but just having God in his place in our lives. I have some questions to uh, to wrap up, that wrap up the psalm with answers to all, with the answer to all of our problems, um, which is who? The Lord, right? Simple, just the Lord, who is continually with us. You guys can answer if you like to. The Lord, right? Who holds our hand? Whose counsel guides us? Who's going to receive you to glory? Whom do we have in heaven? Whom do we desire? Who is your strength and your portion forever? Who do you draw near to and put your trust in? And finally, whose works will you declare? You know, guys, in going through that last psalm, you know, there's definitely many things we need to reanalyze in our life. Me especially as far as, you know, that in verse 26, is he our portion forever? I know that many people, many people in my life that, that um, that don't have that, that don't have, uh, that God isn't their portion forever. He's their portion when things get tough. He's their portion when, when things are good, but not forever. I know we, we need to really hold on to those those foundational truths and make sure we do not buy into the lie of, of this world or, or even our friends or or anybody else. You know, the Lord is, is everything to us, without a doubt. And He will He will answer all your problems, be the answer to all your problems. And then like it says, hold your hand through those problems. Without a doubt, hope you guys believe that. That's where that's where it starts. That's where it all starts, and he will he will guide you and and, and comfort you even in those struggles as well. Let's pray, guys, and you guys um, can go home. Lord, we come before you. We come before you, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord, and um, thank you, Lord, for just um, getting us through this uh, Bible study, Lord. And uh, I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, Lord, out there, Lord, you just. Uh, Speak to them, Lord, that you guide them, Lord, in the things that they need, Lord, to know, uh, and that they uh, not search, Lord, and, and try to know everything, Lord, that you are doing in their lives, Lord, like you show me, Lord. Just serving you, Lord, and to, uh, to the best of our ability, Lord, that's all you want, Lord. Spending time in your word, Lord, and, and spending time with you, Lord, um, getting closer to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this, uh, even the the opportunity even to, to go before you right now, Lord. I pray you be with all my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they go, Lord. I pray you bless them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for bringing them here, Lord. And I just pray that you are, are everything to myself, Lord, and to them as well, Lord. Um, and I just pray for those moments where we um, sometimes question what you're doing in our lives, Lord. That we like today, like this morning's study, that we submit, Lord, to you, Lord the authority of our lives, Lord. That you are just and true, Lord. Righteous, Lord, in every way. And I just thank you for that, Lord. I pray you be with us as we go, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God bless you guys.